everyone and welcome back to the Sick of It podcast and the last episode of 2023. Today I spoke with Matt who is the founder and director of MEND, a health management and insights app focused on improving the patient experience for people living with chronic conditions. We had a great chat about careers, startups and MEND so I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing? Yeah, doing well. I'm in Melbourne today, so it's freezing cold. But other than that, I'm doing well. How about you? Yeah, it's pretty cold here. Probably not as cold as it is in Melbourne, but for Queensland, pretty cold. (laughs) (laughs) So to get started, can you tell us a bit about you and your health journey? Sure. So my name's Matt. I'm 28. And I guess in terms of my health journey, the most significant part would be focused around my epilepsy. I was diagnosed back in 2018 following a cancer diagnosis. And I also live with complex mental health issues as well. So that's sort of a bit of an overview. But um, yeah, probably the most um, challenging part for me is definitely the epilepsy. And what was that like, the diagnostic process um when and when did that when did those symptoms start for you in terms of the diagnosis it came about from the cancer diagnosis so it was in 2018 and I was traveling overseas and had a seizure pretty out of the blue so I guess up until that point I'd been fairly you know quote-unquote healthy and hadn't really experienced any symptoms around around anything like that Um, And after having the seizure, I went into hospital overseas, came back to Australia and was diagnosed pretty quickly after about two weeks, I think it was. And after I'd had surgery to sort of, you know, deal with the cancer and everything like that, I was then diagnosed with epilepsy as I'd had a second seizure. And I guess for anyone that doesn't know about epilepsy is um, they categorize you into being an epileptic once you've had multiple seizures. So I'd had the first one overseas, which which found out about the cancer. And then I had a secondary seizure after my brain surgery. And how old were you at the time? Well, I was 23 at that point. So it's pretty young for a cancer diagnosis, correct? Yeah, definitely was not what I was expecting to happen when traveling overseas. And and in particular with, with cancer, it was, you know, a scary thought for anybody at any age. But at 23, it was was a bit of a shock to the system. And what was that like, not only getting diagnosed with cancer, but the epilepsy at the same time? To be honest, it was strange because... I didn't really think about the epilepsy early on. It was it was sort of a side comment that was told to me by a neurologist and I was already in the process of dealing with cancer and what that meant to me. But pretty soon after I was told, you know, you have epilepsy, you're having recurring seizures, you need to take medication. And I sort of put it in a box and put it to one side until probably about two years later when I started having seizures again and it becoming, you know, more of an issue with my life in terms of being able to work, being able to drive, everything else that that involved. Um, I, I didn't really start to think about the epilepsy until it started really, you know, rearing its head later on down the track. And is that still impacting you quite a bit today? 
Yeah, massively. It's it's probably one of the biggest challenges that I face as somebody, you know, with a few different chronic health issues, but day to day, the epilepsy is huge. It means that it impacts my ability to work. I'm not able to drive because, you know, when you're having multiple seizures, I usually will have one per month. And it just means obviously, you know, my accessibility to get myself around, to be independent and to work is hugely impacted. So yeah, the epilepsy impacts every single day. And do you rely on any support? You know, do you have any support people that help you with that at all? Yeah, I definitely am lucky. I have I have support from my parents and and some of my key friends who will always go out of their way to sort of take me to appointments or help me get access to other things. But I did go through the process of trying to access NDIS, which for a lot of people in the chronic health community will know it's extremely challenging to access. And I've been through the process twice to try and, you know, access things such as, you know, being able to go to the gym and be assisted or, yeah. or get to places independently outside of my parents. But unfortunately, I've been rejected for it twice, which, which is really disappointing. But, yeah. you know, in, in my situation, I am lucky to have support of people around me. So I'm not in a complete dire situation, but, but yeah, it is nice to have the opportunity to access those services as well. Yeah. It's always crazy to me hearing some of the people that are rejected for NDIS, you know, Anya, I think she applied for it like three, four times before she got accepted. And I mean, you know, epilepsy, I don't know how common it is, but kind of everyone knows what epilepsy is. So I'm surprised that it's not one of those things where they just kind of like, oh, yeah, you have epilepsy. Obviously, that could be dangerous trying to get around. That's going to affect your everyday life. So I'm I'm surprised that you've been rejected twice already. Yeah, it's definitely disappointing. And I think because it's sort of, you know, I, I'm in a bit of a complicated situation with my health in general, but going through the process, I've been told now after applying twice that I should go through somebody else to do it because it's always about the wording. It's always about the way you, you know, sort of pitch, I guess, pitch your disability in a way, um, which is disappointing. But, you know, epilepsy is fairly common. And I think somebody told me the other day that it's one in 25 Australians actually have an epilepsy diagnosis um, or live with epilepsy in general. So it's something that, you know, it has a huge impact on lifestyle factors. So yeah, NDIS would be very, very useful. Um, but yeah, as a process, I probably will will still have to go down the journey and, and keep trying to get more support. Yeah, hopefully the next time, hopefully I don't make you do it too many more times because I know it's not a quick and easy process. For sure. No, definitely. It's quite long and time consuming, but you know, we, we keep going on things like that. And yeah, ho- hopefully I'll get some access at some point. And at the time, you know, with the cancer and the epilepsy, what was that like to like for you? Because you, you know, quite young, what were you doing at the time? Were you studying, working, traveling? So at the time I was working, I had been in the corporate space working in real estate for the past maybe three, four years. And, you know, was enjoying my job, was was living in Melbourne at the time. And at the time of actually having the seizure and and finding out about the cancer, I was I was traveling overseas as well. So it was sort of a combination of of two different things. And and being overseas was a little bit overwhelming at the time, sort of being in a foreign hospital, speaking to other people and 
and not having any health issues up until that point really I guess I went into the situation quite naively because I didn't ever expect to have a cancer diagnosis or an epilepsy diagnosis so I was just living life you know as somebody else that would be 23 and would be working or traveling or whatnot so it was definitely a shock to the system when when I found out and then did you have to leave your job? I did. So when I came back to Australia and was diagnosed formally back here, back in Brisbane, um, I did have to leave my job and sort of took a leave of absence and had my treatment and sort of went through having surgery and whatnot with the cancer and ended up returning back fairly quickly, which looking back was probably not the smartest idea. Um and yeah, that, that was a bit of a, an interesting situation, but I had a lot of support from my employer and people let me come back in a part-time capacity, which was really positive. But yeah, looking back on the situation, it was definitely a bit of a challenge in terms of, you know, managing my mental health, managing going back to work and, and being in that environment as somebody with, you know, with a chronic illness and, and with cancer at the time as well. And did you find that you could handle that? Because you don't do that anymore now, do you? Did you move on because it just wasn't going to be possible? I think that going through the process of sort of having cancer, having treatment, managing the epilepsy, I realized quite quickly that it wasn't something that I could manage. Um, Being in the corporate environment and working in an office ended up not being very sustainable for me with with those conditions. And I I trialed part-time, had some more time off. And then because of some issues with my epilepsy, I ended up leaving work permanently at the end of 2021 um, and started my own business, mainly for the flexibility and mainly to do something that I was a bit more passionate about. Um, But yeah, ended up realizing that it wasn't sustainable working in a fast paced corporate environment that wasn't necessarily as flexible as I needed it to be at the time. And so your business is Mend the Health App, correct? Yes, that's right. So yeah, I founded Mend at the end of 2021 when I was leaving corporate world. And yeah, it's very different space, but um, it's a health management and insights app for people living with cancer and chronic health to try and help them sort of, I guess, reimagine the way they manage their health journey and look at the patient experience as a whole. What did you feel like you were missing in your health journey that you and other people needed this app? Probably the biggest thing was around finding support and managing day-to-day things like sort of my appointments, my medications, my health team. For me in particular, I have 15 different specialists, which is quite a lot. Um, I have lots of second opinions and people that help me out in different spaces Um, and just managing that sort of stuff um, and keeping track of, you know, GP appointments, neurology appointments, oncology, whatever it might be, keeping track of that information because up until the point of developing MEND and, you know, turning that into a reality, I was very much managing paper files or putting a note on my phone or taking a picture of a scan And I thought to myself, well, if I'm experiencing this, other people with cancer or chronic health are probably having similar problems. And I spent the next sort of, you know, 12, 18 months doing consumer testing, speaking to other people with chronic illnesses and finding out what their pain points were. 
Um, and then, yeah, we went through the process of designing the app and yeah, making it a reality and we released it in April. So it's been a very busy, but exciting time and, and hopefully, you know, creating some big impact for people in the chronic health space. It's really interesting because I actually also, a few years ago, I worked for a similar app, health startup app. It's not really around anymore. It's a very similar idea but I think it was a kind of complete disaster. You know, it, it wasn't run by anyone with any chronic illness. There was no consumer testing or anything at all. It was just kind of the CEO assuming what people need. And I think that was like the downfall of the app was they didn't understand what people with chronic illnesses need and they didn't ask what they need either. And I think that's a huge thing when it comes to any business and in particular businesses in the health space that are consumer focused is about asking people what they need, what their experience is and really giving them a voice. So when you do build a product, it's, you know, a product of co-design and it's something that is in collaboration with people that are going to use it Um, through, you know, my research and my own personal experience. I found that a lot of people, you know, that we're partnering with or that we're speaking with, have had similar experiences because they've built products, you know, in the NFP space, or they've built a product, you know, for their business as a whole, trying to help people, but they're not actually speaking to consumers and they're not prioritizing the needs of those people. So I think it's hugely important, you know, for us at Mend and, you know, from your own experience as well with working for that company and, you know, with Anya and the wonderful team at Champion Health Agency as well, they obviously are really focused on co-designing and speaking to people because that's how you build better products. And that's how you engage with consumers better because a lot of people forget to do that. And it means that it's not an inclusive environment and then we don't end up using it as people living with chronic health. So I think it's massively important and it really, you know, goes down to the success of business because with myself and my co-founder Noah, our biggest focus on MEND is not necessarily about making money at this stage. It's about having impact and building a business mm. that cares about people, that prioritizes consumers. And yeah, is is really our, our main focus at the moment whilst we're building. So yeah, I, I'm really excited to see what happens next, but we're we're definitely approaching it in a different way. And how has that been? You know, have you found that there is a lot of interest, not just from consumers, but from other businesses, from, you know, people just learning how to, you know, watching your business grow and how you involve consumers and how you yourself have a chronic illness and being interested like in that process. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that people that we're working with sort of from a partnership perspective are very interested in MEND because it has a real purpose behind and it has a story that they can connect with, which, you know, looking at lots of businesses, you want to be able to connect to their message and their purpose about why they're doing it. Um, so a lot of people have, you know, reached out to me and talked about how important they felt and they felt seen by, you know, the messaging around MEND and my personal story. And I'm doing some projects with a couple of different people at the moment in the NFP space and with a couple of universities that have really taken on board the idea of co-design and speaking to people because they were very often forgetting, like we said before, that that's what's really important. And that's how, you know, you make something successful. So 
yeah, definitely getting a lot of interest and and feedback from people about how how they can design things in a better way and in a more inclusive way as well. Um, so yeah, ho- hopefully it'll lead to some better better products and and better awareness in the market around inclusion. Yeah, I hope so. You know, I it's really great that co-design is really starting to take off more and more. Um, I've worked for quite a few startups in different industries and honestly, I, I don't think that was something I really saw in any of them. And most of those startups failed. So just kind of goes to show you can't sell a product if you don't know who you're selling it to and what what they need and what they want. You can't just assume those things. Definitely. A hundred percent. You have to speak to people and you have to understand who your consumer is. Otherwise you're building something for nothing or something for nobody. And if someone was creating something in the health space, whether they have a chronic illness and disability or not, what kind of advice would you give them? What would be the first steps that they should take? Definitely speak to people. Just what we're saying before. I think that's really important. And find a really, really clear problem that you see in the space, whether, you know, you have a chronic illness or a disability, think about the problem that you're trying to solve and the solution that you're hoping to bring to market. And then, you know, collaborate with other people, whether that be people that are patients, people that could be your customer, whoever it might be, speak to people and, you know, design throughout the process to make sure that you're actually really, really solving a problem rather than solving something that you've just made up in your head. Because a lot of the time people will get an idea and it's exciting and it's and it's something that you want to build a business around. But if a problem doesn't exist, then the business very often won't be successful. And where are you hoping that MEND will end up? You know, obviously you're in the starting phase right now where are you planning on it going that's a big question but i guess we sort of we've been at it for about 18 months now and we're part of an accelerator on the gold coast at the moment which is really helping us around structuring it and making it a sustainable business rather than just you know setting up a company and and our focus at the moment with it being very social impact driven I guess um, something that we really, really want to achieve over the next six months is to onboard as many people as possible and help as many people as possible to manage and understand their health journey. And then through that, we'll be working with people asking for their feedback. Uh, We have a podcast as well called Health Talk, where we speak to people with chronic illness, very similar to, you know, what we're doing here right now. Um, but yeah, just really designing the best product possible to, you know, to solve the problem around, you know, a poor patient experience and giving people the right access to, to support that they need. So, um, look, we still have a way to go, but I think finding the right partnerships, getting people on board and, and, you know, solving the problem that we've identified is, is really important to us in the next sort of, you know, six, 12 months. So that's where we are at the moment. Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on. Um, Where can we find you and where can we find MEND? Amazing. Yep. So you can find us across all social channels at MEND Health app or you can visit our website, mendhealth.co. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rami. Really appreciate it. Great to talk to you. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to get all our new episodes and to leave a review if you are enjoying the podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Sick of It Podcast and Instagram at Sick of It underscore podcast. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.